as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. 1 Peter 4.10. I am Rob West. When you think of stewardship, the first thing that comes to mind is probably money, and that's certainly important. But biblical stewardship requires what are often described as the three T's, time, talent, as well as treasure. We'll talk about that and then take your calls at 800-525-7000. 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Christians are well aware that we're to give back to the Lord from our first fruits. Malachi 3.10 tells us, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. And Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. But stewardship involves much more than our treasure. We must acknowledge that God gives us many gifts, including time and talent. And we must give back a portion of them as well if we're to be truly faithful stewards. You have been given skills and talents that the Lord wants to use for His kingdom. Paul makes it clear in 1 Corinthians twelve four through 7 It reads, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And again in Romans 12, 6 through 8, Paul writes, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them in proportion to our faith. If service in your serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So, let me ask you, are you giving back a portion of your talents to God's kingdom? You might not think you have many talents to contribute, but that's never the case. We all have skills and abilities that God can use. For example, if you're in the business world, you have a unique opportunity to share the gospel with those who don't yet know Christ. You come in contact with many different people, like associates, customers, and vendors. And while doing that, you can make a strong witness for Christ by treating Treating people with honesty and respect. It's probably not a coincidence that when Jesus called the twelve disciples, many of them owned and operated businesses as tradesmen and commercial fishermen. It would only be reasonable to assume the disciples used their contacts and past relationships to witness for Christ. So we all have God-given talents. Are you good with children? Those skills can be put to use in the church nursery or babysitting for a single mom or dad in your neighborhood who needs a break. Maybe you're good at repairing cars or you're a great cook or you like to paint. And yes, some people actually do. Or maybe you have time you can spend with an elderly shut-in down the street. Putting time and talents to work for others not only fulfills your calling for stewardship, it provides a great witnessing opportunity by reflecting the love of Christ and a chance to invite someone to your church. So don't think you have nothing to give. God can use just about anything to advance His kingdom. 
For example, the staff of Moses in Exodus 4, 3 and 4, it reads, Then he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. The point is this. If God can use an ordinary object like a stick to perform miracles, imagine what he can do with you, a real live person made in his image. God wants you to give of your time and talents because he loves you and wants you to experience the spiritual blessings of giving. Luke 6.38 reads, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Now, how much time and talent you give back to God is between you and Him. And in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, we see the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. If you're generous with your time and talents as well as your treasure, you'll no doubt hear the words, one day, well done, good and faithful steward, enter into the joy of your master. All right, your calls are next, 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. Forty-five thousand. That's how many times Faith and Finance referred a listener to a certified kingdom advisor last year. And for good reason. These are trusted financial, legal, and accounting professionals who have completed a rigorous certification program to ensure biblically wise financial advice as part of their practice. You can find a local CKA professional in your area by going to faithfi.com and clicking on the Find a CKA button on the homepage. Hey, Greg, I need some advice. Oh, what's up? I'm really struggling with finding ways to cut back. With costs going up, especially in healthcare, what do you guys do? Oh, uh, we use CHM. Christian Healthcare Ministries. It's a health cost sharing ministry that's been sharing members' eligible medical bills for over 40 years. Sure helped us stick to our budget. Hmm. And here's the website chministries.org. C-A-C-H-Ministries.org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. This is the program where the 2300 verses on money and possessions found in God's Word intersect with today's financial decisions and choices. The number to get in on the conversation, 800-525-7000. Again, that's 800-525-7000. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to begin today in Wisconsin. Hi, Jolene. Thanks for calling. How can I help you? Hi. Thank you for taking my call. So my husband, we have, my husband and I have a business, but it's under my husband's name as a sole proprietor. Years yeah. ago, he started giving me a minimum wage so that we could at that time um, deduct our health insurance from our taxes. Yes. We now are getting our health insurance through the marketplace. So, you know, once we start doing that, that reason for paying me became obsolete. Yeah. So we are wondering, should he continue to give me a paycheck? Um, you know, because now with our workman's comp, it hires that. Yeah, I'm counted as an additional employee. We pay unemployment insurance on my wage. Yeah. I'm 58 years old, so I'm looking at retiring, you know, um, in a few years. And, you know, would it be beneficial to keep him paying me a wage for the sake of retirement? 
Or yes. would we be better off um, eliminating? I'll, I'll do. The, I'm obviously going to be doing the work either way. Um, sure. But yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I, I think uh, you might want to check with your tax preparer just to see there are reasons beyond just the tax benefits you were describing that have gone away that uh, could make this worthwhile. For instance, Social Security would be one of them. Uh, you would likely be eligible as a non-working spouse who doesn't qualify on your own record for 50% of your husband's benefits, but uh, you may be able to qualify on your own record if you reach uh, you know, a certain number, at least 10 years years worth of, of work paying in uh, with Social Security, the taxes, the FICA taxes. Uh, so that would be one consideration if your uh, Social Security benefit could be increased as opposed to you taking it solely as a spouse if you could take it based on your own work record. Uh, often health insurance and health reimbursement account benefits are another reason folks will do it. Uh, if they want to jump in on group disability insurance, additional health care breaks, vehicles, group life insurance, I mean, you know, there are a host of, of reasons why you'd want to do it. Many of these are limited in a sole proprietorship as an S-corp. And so that's where you may be exactly right. It may just not make sense for you to be paid as an employee for the reasons you mentioned. But if any of those apply, uh, either Social Security or uh, health care related or retirement benefit opportunities, um, you know, those would probably be the reasons for you to continue to do it. But I would probably check with a tax preparer. Do you all use a CPA? Yes, we do. Okay. So I think this would be a great question for that person just to say, here's what we're considering. Here's why we think this may not make sense. Can you help us look at all of the potential benefits that we might derive from me being a, an employee and, you know, just help us evaluate whether this makes sense? Or at the end of the day, are we just spending more, you know, by doing so? And if, if that's the case, then as you said, you could no longer be an employee and just continue to help out uh, as a spouse. Okay, right. that sounds good. Well, thank you very much. All right, Jolene. God bless you, and thanks for calling today. Uh, to Hope Sound, quickly, Charles, how can I help you, sir? Yes, sir. I got a question on Social Security for a sister of mine that has been divorced and not remarried uh, about claiming yes. part of her ex-husband's Social Security. How does that work? Yeah, as long as the marriage lasted at least 10 years and she hasn't remarried and she's at least 62, uh, she's entitled to collect Social Security retirement benefit based on her ex-spouse's work record. Your former spouse or her former spouse doesn't have to be collecting his retirement benefits for her to claim that uh, ex-spousal benefit. Um, in the case of divorce, the divorce has to be at least uh, two years old if they're not claiming benefits. If he's already claiming benefits, then that two-year rule doesn't even apply. And uh, the most she would be able to collect is 50% of her former spouse's primary insurance amount, um, the monthly payment that, um, you know, he is entitled to at full retirement age, which would probably be 66 and four months. Does that make sense? Yeah. The only question I would have is it, does he lose his if she get, takes it or does? Oh, no, does no, work? no. A spousal benefit is in addition. It has no bearing on his benefit that he's collecting. So if he's drawing 29000 then she gets, I mean, 2900 a month, she would get half of that, but his wouldn't up, decrease. 
up to half, uh, and, and it could be, in fact, half, uh, and it would have no bearing on what he's earning as a benefit. It would not reduce it in any way. That answers that question. All right. Very good, Charles. Thank you for calling, sir. God bless you. 800-525-7000 is the number to call to Akron, Ohio, WCRF. Hey, David, thank you for calling, sir. Go right ahead. Thank you, Rob. Hi. Um, I have a question about uh, hedge funds, Rob. Um, They appear to be extremely lucrative. Is it like you put down money and you just leave it and forget about it, and when the product uh, takes off in the market, then that's when the explosive hit happens? That's what it seems. Is that what it is? Uh, Well, you know, they're huge, massive profit all in that one day. I mean, if I put down like $100, Rob, it's like you're hedging a bet. You put the money down and then when it takes off, that's it. You, you've made a massive amount that day plus the entire week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're certainly not for the faint of heart and you need to understand what you're getting into, even if you qualify and not everyone does. Essentially, uh, David, it's a limited partnership of private investors where their money is managed by a professional fund manager. But the, the range of strategies that are deployed inside a hedge fund are very wide. Uh, it could include leverage, uh, could include trading non-traditional assets, which you described a few of those. And the goal is to earn above average investment returns. Now, although they tend to be more speculative just by the nature of these hedge funds, it doesn't mean, you know, you're throwing caution to the wind. A lot of these are managed by very sophisticated strategies with uh, expertly trained money managers. They're generally considered a more risky alternative investment choice, and that's why they usually require either a higher minimum investment or a certain net worth um, for you to be what's called accredited as an investor. And so they are typically for those folks who have a bit more sophistication and through their higher net worth uh, requirements have the ability to take a little bit more risk. Um, They're actively managed and it really depends on the fund manager because these can include equity or fixed income or even event-driven goals. And you also have to understand kind of the liquidity options as well. Um, It really has to do with the ability of the fund to be able to satisfy investor redemptions. And so they will tell you the schedule at which you can actually do that based on the fund's duration and liquidity. So I think, you know, the key is first, are you, is it something that even applies to your situation just based on, are you an accredited investor? And then does it fit into your overall investment plan uh, where you can take a bit more of a speculative, higher risk approach with a portion of your assets because you've got more of a sure and steady approach with the, the bulk of it? And so for the average investor, I'd say stay far away. If you're more sophisticated and have the ability to do so, there certainly can be a lot of money to be made in hedge funds as long as you understand what you're getting into. David, I hope that helps. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Absolutely free. We know you've learned to be suspicious of those words, but really, you can get biblical financial wisdom delivered to your inbox absolutely free. Articles, videos, podcasts, and special offers on biblical resources. More than 50,000 people receive our free weekly wisdom email, and you can too. 
create your free faith and finance account. Just visit faithfi.com and click sign up. Investing is more than just returns. It's an expression of who you are and what you value. Does the way you invest your money reflect your identity as a Christian? At Eventide, we design investments for performance and a better world, so you can invest with a confidence to reach your financial goals while remaining true to your Christian values and commitments. We call this investing that makes the world rejoice. More is available at investeventide.com. That's investeventide.com. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West, your host. This is where we apply the wisdom from the Bible to your financial decisions and choices. As we think about our role as stewards, money then becomes a tool to accomplish God's purposes. So our goal, faithfulness and contentment, understanding the heart of God, and really applying that to our role as money managers for the King of Kings. We do that together each afternoon here on this program. And if you have a question, we've got uh, only two lines open, so you still can get through 800-525-7000. Let's head to Florida, Isle of Capri. Jeff, thank you, sir, for calling. Go ahead. I'm 64. My wife is 67. Uh, I'll be retiring in a couple of years. She'll be retiring probably in a year. Um, we both uh, have good savings. Uh, we have probably a year of emergency funds in our savings. I have, through the county government that I work at, um, accidental death and dismemberment, plus I have a Florida Retirement Systems account in the event of my death uh, while I'm still working and even after I retire. My wife gets a portion of that retirement fund. I also have a charter fishing business, which worth quite a bit of money, and I have federal um, fishing permits that are worth quite a bit of money. Uh, we have quite a bit of equity in our home. Um, should she need to sell the home, it'd be probably well in, in advance of paying off uh, what we owe, and she'd probably come up with, I'd say, two or $300,000 over that amount. Uh, my question is, is, should we put money into, should I put money into a, life insurance policy this late in the game, or just take that money and keep adding it to the surplus of savings. Yeah. Uh, so if I hear you correctly, and by the way, thanks for that helpful overview, Jeff, and it sounds like you and your wife have done a great job planning for this season of life financially. Um, if something were to happen to either of you, a hardship wouldn't be placed on the other one uh, based on primarily a loss of income, at least once you reach retirement, correct? Correct. Okay. So the question is, then, what do we do between now and when you retire? And what I'm hearing is you have life insurance in force that will carry you through until retirement. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. With with uh, with the county government, um, should something happen to me, you know, I've got insurance there. Yeah. Okay. Very good. So I think the key there is just to make sure you've done some proper estate planning and, and wealth transfer plans that she knows kind of where to go if something were to happen to you, because the assets are there. Uh, as long as you've got a, you know, detailed records of all of your financial accounts and she knows who the trusted advisors are that would help to, let's say, you know, get that, uh, 
business sold and, you know, convert that asset to, uh, you know, a, a liquidity event that gives her then the cash that she could use to generate income if that's the plan. Uh, you know, those types of things really are critical. Uh, so I think you would be in a position at that point to drop the insurance and recoup that money. And then I think the key then is, you know, what other types of insurance do you need? Well, obviously, medical insurance is, uh, you know, critical beyond that, a homeowner's or a renter's insurance policy. Um, you know, it would be important probably just given the assets that you've accumulated to have an umbrella policy, which is going to give you additional liability coverage beyond what's included in the homeowner and car insurance, which, you know, that's very inexpensive and, you know, can go a long way if you had a major, uh, you know, event occur, uh, unforeseen, especially given that you're operating a, a business like that. I imagine you have the proper insurance there, but having that personal umbrella policy on top of it, I think could be a, a great option for you as well. But beyond that, I don't really see a need other than considering long-term care insurance. Um, I don't see a need for you to try to replace this life insurance policy when you get to that point. Jeff, we appreciate you checking in with us today, sir. To Ohio we go. Hi, Mary. Thank you for calling. Go ahead. Well, hi, Rob. I love your show. Just have a real quick question. I have one child and I have everything, my car, my house, my savings and checkings in PODs or uh, TODs, transfer on death, payable on death. Do I still need a will in the state of Ohio? Uh, you do, Mary, and here's why. The TOD is great, and that's going to supersede your will, which allows for a more efficient and expedient transfer of that asset to your uh, named beneficiary because it happens outside of the probate process. But the will is going to cover everything else. So it's going to tell the authorities how to distribute your cash, any investments that don't have a beneficiary already named personal effects and other types of belongings. Uh, you probably don't have any minor children, but something as simple as, as instructions regarding the care of pets. Uh, you know, so that all of that kind of everything else is covered uh, in the will and can just ensure that whatever the Lord has entrusted to you, all the way down to the furniture and your personal things, uh, pass according to your wishes, um, you know, through the probate process as opposed to somebody else making that decision. So if I only have one child and he's living in the home now, I still need a will? You do. I mean, you know, you'd have to, you'd want to, I mean, unless the home is in a trust, did you, have you done a transfer on death deed? Yeah. Okay. And do you have other assets? What about, you know, cash in your, your checking account, uh, savings account, furniture, personal effects? What about all of those things? So, no, I mean, I mean, the savings and checkings, I've done the transfer on death uh, okay. for those. Y but yeah, so the, the benefit of the will, and it would be very simple, and you could do it yourself with an online tool, or you could get a, an estate attorney just to draft a very simple will. But that's just going to ensure that everything passes appropriately in the way that you want. Would it likely happen without it? Probably, but why take a chance there? There are other things you have besides those accounts that have the TODs, and the will is essentially a catch-all to make sure that anything that's not in an account 
with a transfer on death or your home with the transfer on death deed is going to pass directly to your son, if that was your choice, um, and any other ministries, perhaps, that you want to receive a portion uh, of what you have. And that's going to do it for us today. And as we wrap up, I really want you to know how much I appreciate the time you invest with us each week. You're taking time to listen to this program and committing the principles we talk about each time to your financial life. And that lets me know the work we do here is worthwhile. And even though you hear my voice on the program, I'm not doing this alone. We have an incredible team that helps with research, handles the production of the program, develops great resources like the FaithFi app and the FaithFi.com website, much of which we give away for free. And that wouldn't be possible without the financial support of listeners like you. If you're not yet one of our financial partners, but would like to be, would you visit our website, faithfi.com, that's faithfi.com, and click the Give button to sign up. We'd certainly be grateful. In the meantime, please tell a friend about us, then make plans to join us again next time, right here on Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.